0: Thank you for listening to this message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Are you ready to hear God? Are you expecting to hear God? I'm going to give you seven things that stood out in our devotions over the last two, two and a half weeks. These come from our posted devotional. If you don't have a copy... Again, I'm not clear. They might be in the seat in front of you, or they'll be in the foyer, or you can go on the Internet, go to vbf.org, and go under sermons, and they'll say Bible study guide, and then you can be on the same page with us. The last week and a half, we've been in 1 Samuel in the Old Testament and Mark in the New Testament. So let's just dive in, and I want to give you seven lessons. I'm trying to watch the clock, and the worship team will come out at the end of one more song. But lesson number one I saw in our devotions last week is, found in 1 Samuel 1 and 2. Let me summarize what's going on. Hannah was a woman who loved God with all of her heart, but she was barren. She she was childless. She couldn't have children. And she was one of two wives of a man named Elkanah, and the other wife was very blessed. She had children, and she despised Hannah. She just didn't like her. And she rubbed it in her face all the time. I've got children. You don't. You must not be blessed. I am blessed. Eat your heart out. She's very mean. And so Hannah really had a hard time dealing with this. And one day she took it to God in prayer. And she made a promise to God. She said, God, I want a child so bad. If you give me a child, I will dedicate that child to your service for the rest of the child's life. And God answered her prayer she conceived and had a son named him Samuel. And she kept her vow. It's very important we keep our vows to God. And after she weaned him, she took him to the church and dropped him off. Don't get any ideas. (laughs) Don't drop a baby off here. Now, two decades ago I would have welcomed him, but not today. She took him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh and Gave him to Eli, the high priest. Hello. Eli, it's your lucky day. There's a three-year-old boy on the doorstep out there, and Hannah just gave him to you. Take care of him, by the way. Here's his teddy bear. He sleeps with his teddy bear every night. And, oh, yes, uh, pacifier. I know he's kind of old, but he's still on it. And you might need these because he still has accidents. Poor Eli. (laughs) What did I do to deserve this, God? Now, there's a point I want you to see here. You can't outgive God. Hannah gave her firstborn child to God, the one she wanted so badly. She gave him to God. It was like a, a first fruit offering. In fact, in the Bible, God says the first child's mine. Really, God says the first of everything you have is mine. The first 10% off your income is my tithe. First, child, everything. The first—it's called the offering of first fruits. I'll have to preach on it sometime. But God, I'm giving you my first child. I've had a hard time having this child, but I'm giving them to you. And God turned around and blessed her with five more children. He really opened her womb. A first fruit offering simply means I give you the first and the best, believing that you will give me the rest, and He did. Blessed her with five more. Kids. Wow. See, it goes right along with another devotional we had concurrently in, in Mark. Uh, Mark ten twenty nine through thirty. This was the same time. It, it, it's a New Testament devotional. Mark ten, twenty nine through thirty. We have had some problems with our internet, so bear with us today. We had power go off in the first service. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house. Brothers, sisters, mothers, or fathers, or children, or farms, for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that they will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age—houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and farms—along with persecutions, and the age to come, eternal life. Now, Wednesday night I gave you an acronym. Wednesday nights are really good. We were we were packed with big big crowd. As we're going through our doctrines, why we believe what we believe. If you were not here, get the tape. You will no longer say it's unscriptural to have a woman up here teaching on our teaching team. I I took that away from you. You can't use that excuse anymore. Look at Wednesday night. We will continue this Wednesday night with the reason we believe what we believe. But I gave you an acronym to test doctrines with Wednesday night. And God gave this to me. It's just something he gave to me some time back. The acronym is S-E-F. If you want to see if a doctrine is correct that a church is teaching, use the SCF uh, method to, to measure it. The S stands for, is it scriptural what they're teaching? E stands for experience. Does it bear out in experience, daily routine? Does it bear out? Does that truth work? And then F, is it fruitful? If it's yes to all three of those, you probably have a Christian doctrine. Now, When it comes to this hundredfold blessing, you you can measure with what I've given you, and you go: Is it scriptural? Yes, it's scriptural. If you give up these things for the kingdom, you will get back a hundredfold in this life and eternal life to come. Yes, scriptural, but is it bore out in experience? Does it work out in experience? No, not the way some are teaching it. See, there's a a faith movement today, and they teach the hundredfold blessing that if you give. Money, you'll get a hundred times that money back in this life. And they teach it usually. They usually go over this right before they take offering. given you'll get a hundredfold back and they use it. And, and so we went over biblical hermeneutics Wednesday night. And I gave you three rules of biblical hermeneutics. Number one is when you look at Scripture, there's a lot of the time different levels of meaning with the same passage. So you can get several meanings out of the same passage. Uh, we taught wednesday night that you can't take one passage and make a doctrine out of it it's got to have other passages to back it up which we did with women speaking wednesday night Uh, and then also biblical hermeneutics says sometimes we've got to step back and look at the author what was he trying to get across to us pull yourself back so with these faith people they just say the hundredfold blessing means that if you give 100 dollars, you get back 100 times that, on and on and on. Well, does that work out in your experience in life? No, no, it doesn't. I mean, if you get 5,000 dollars, you will get 500,000 back at some point in life. God has promised it right there. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. I mean, if that's true, that hundredfold blessing, if you take that verse literally, then Hannah should have had 100 kids. No, thank you. Ludicrous. So the S is true, but the E is not. And of course, the F would not be true. It's hyperbole speech right here. What's hyperbole? The definition of that is an exaggeration or claims not meant to be taken literally. Uh, hyperbole. Uh, hyperbole. Uh, Jesus spoke that way quite a bit. In one passage, he said, you know what? If your eye offends you, pluck it out. It's better to go through life with one eye than have two eyes and go to hell. Obviously, he didn't mean that literally. I didn't see anybody walking around with an eye plucked out. Uh, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. Not really. Don't take that literally. Here's a horse. Killed it and brought it to your house. My tooth is killing me. It might hurt, but it's not killing you. He is... The brain, the size of a pea. Well, now that could be true in some instances. So the way that a lot of churches teach this, it's not scriptural, but if we step back and frame it and say, okay, now we've proven by SEF that this can't be taken literally here. And we step back and look at it until we frame it. We go, okay, so what was the author trying to tell us? Well, you look back and pray, and he's saying, I'm trying to tell you this. That anything that you give up sacrificially for the kingdom of God, I will make it worth the experience. I will bless you for it. You can count on it. I'll bless you in this life, and I'll bless you in the life to come. That's the promise of God. Example, when I first went the ministry, I had four houses, four homes. I really had one house and a, a triplex. And see, I was young. I was in my 20s, and I thought, I'm going to be a guru here. I'm going to get five houses by the time I'm 30, then I'm going to take the first one, and I'm going to... I had all this... I had this system planned out. But when I went into ministry, I had to have the money to live on, so I gave them all to God. And I said, I got to live on something, because I only got $650 a month. And I, I gave up my pursuit. I wanted to be a lawyer. That was my goal, and I had to give it up for the kingdom. Uh, I... I had to give up friendships. I, I didn't have to, but I did. I got so busy in the kingdom that I, I, I gave up my friendships. I didn't have any friendships. For decades, I was a loner because I was so busy in the kingdom. But today, because I sacrifice those for God, I have financial security. I'm not rich, but I don't have any financial worries. I have friends. I've got back friends. Doug Loman, Dwayne Johnson, Mike Maggard, Tom Touchstone, Randy Garrett, John Tweed, Vince. I mean, I go on. I've got so many friends. God gave them back to me. The ones I, I gave up, friends, and I got friends back. I've had Tasha Alejandro. When she was here, she was like my mom in the faith. Charlie was my brother. Dick uh, Vickstrom was like my father, my, my spiritual father. Alicia, Nikki, all of them are my, Tammy Garrett, they're my, they're my sisters in the Lord, People invite me to their ranches to ride their horses. Uh, People offer their beach houses to me that I could stay at. Did you get it? I don't own those things. But the things that I gave up, I have been blessed by God. How could this apply to you? You know what? My spouse said, if I keep this religious stuff up, they're going to leave me. Let them leave you. If they're going to leave you, if they're insisting on leaving you, let them go. Because God has something better for you. God don't try to hang Sometimes we try to hang on to the old and God's never able to bless us with a new. If they insist, I'm gonna leave you, I'm gonna leave you, I'm gonna leave you. So, hey, I packed your suitcases. If you're gonna leave me, I'm not gonna do about it. See, I'm telling you, if your mom and dad's disowned you, I don't own you anymore. I, I disown you. Then you know what? He'll give you another spiritual dad and mom. Uh if you tithe and give to the God, I'm not saying you'll get a hundredfold back, but God will bless your finances, I guarantee you. We one time did a tithing challenge, and I'm not saying we'll do it again, but we told everybody that had never tithe. if they tithe 10% of their income to God and they don't get blessed, we'll give them their money back. And we did that two years ago, and only one person asked for their money back, only one, because God's blessings were abundantly. Lesson number two is in chapter four. There were told about the Ark of the Covenant, a box that was approximately four foot by two foot. Exactly, the Bible said it was 45 inches by 27 inches. Now, the Ark of the Covenant had three things in it, one of which was the copy of the law, and it had a, a lid on it called the mercy seat. Now, God chose to manifest Himself through the Ark. Uh, some say it could have been a trigger point for their faith. Uh, God's presence traveled with them via the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, The Ark uh, was representative of God. It was God. Now, tell Indiana Jones this, but you need to tell him, let him know, that we took the place of the Ark of the Covenant. God's presence is no longer in the Ark of the Covenant. It's in those who have been born again. Wow. Wow. We got a bunch of arks of the covenant sitting in here today. See, I'm telling you, wherever you go, God is. Do you get that? When you show up at work, God just showed up at work. When you go to Walmart, God just came in the house. Today, we got a lot of arks sitting out here, a lot of God vessels. I told you again, it's redundant, but years ago, I remember turning over this, this, uh, on TV to this Christian program, and they were saying, God, come, and they were playing their music, God, come, they want a revival, God, come, God, come, I I went away and watched a sports program, came back two hours later, they were still saying, God, come, and I go, for Pete's sake, he's already there, he doesn't need to come, somebody step up to the plate and start telling us what God's saying and doing, because he's already there. He doesn't need to come. He's here. He's in us. We are the Ark of the Covenant. Now, on top of this box of God's presence was something called the mercy seat. Now, remember, Hermeneutics says step back and look at the spiritual application. What, what's the spiritual application here? And I think it's one of several. There's a lot of applications, but one of them is this. You can't teach the law without mercy. If you do, it's going to start killing you, man. See, today we're living in the new covenant. We're not under the Old Testament law anymore. But there's still all of these self-righteous Christians around us that have their own moral standards. It's the way they interpret the word. They've taken it a little far. Uh, And they have no mercy at all. Do you know who these people are? They go, what? Did your pastor say one time he had a booth in the porn convention and gave away Bibles and ministered to people? That's not godly. I wouldn't go to a church like that. I think your pastor had blue tennis shoes on today. They're people of war. Do you get it? Your pastor went to a bar and bought people beers and told them about Jesus. Ah! Bingo! You play Bingo! You had a school, you play. It, that is wrong. Is there a verse in the Bible that says, Thou shalt not play bingo or you'll go to hell? Is that, is that anywhere? We were, we were affording poor people with tuitions. Jesus broke the law all the time, their law, their traditional law. He, he showed us all the time. Remember one day, he was in the synagogue preaching on the Sabbath day, and some dude in the front row had a withered hand, and he was kind of pain. said, Would you help me, Master, help me? And Jesus knew what was going to happen. All the Pharisees' scribes sitting there going, okay, let's see what he does. They were sitting there, and I can see Jesus like this. This is the way I visualize it. Jesus sees all the Pharisees, and he looks around, sees the guy with the withered hand, and he goes, Come here, come here. And he healed him. And they all freaked out. You broke the law. You broke the law. We can't teach the law without mercy I remember one time and I've told you this before but man it it branded me I was 24 years old 23 I wasn't even saved yet and my brother invited me to a church in Lamont and and me and Debbie went and I had a long beard and I was the only one there of 100 people with a beard and the pastor somewhere along his sermon he got off track and he got ticked off I guess with me there and he says you know what beards are wrong they're ungodly And he went on a tirade for about 15 minutes how beards were a sign of ungodliness. And he even had the women at one point, if you don't like beards, say amen. They went, amen. And I'm going, man, how do I get out of here? (laughs) Can I crawl under these seats? I'm looking at my brother going, I wished I wouldn't have come. You can't teach the law without mercy. I've had people here come up, you know what, pastor, there were some homosexuals sitting in front of me today. You need to preach on this. Give me a break. Please find another church. That's a transgender. If I ever saw one, man, do we allow transgenders there? We allow everybody. Everybody's in need of a savior. Everybody. These people of war Women speakers, we've had people go out of here in Vegas and I will not be in a church where they allow women speakers. It says right there that a woman shall, shall remain quiet. We talked about that Wednesday night. That is ridiculous. You don't know Scripture. The truth will set you free. Nobody can use that on us now. See, look at Deuteronomy 2, 16 through 18, and I'll give you the spiritual application. So it came about when all the men of war had finally cherished from among the people, that the Lord spoke to me saying, now you can go in the promised land. These people among us today, these Christian people that are so judgmental, if you'll notice, they have no life, no joy, no fruit, no peace. I'm not saying that we should not speak out against sin. We do speak out against sin. And we will always speak out against sin. But judgmental people are some of the most miserable people you'll ever want to meet. God's taking their joy away. Just be careful. This church started. It was birthed out of a little church in Potomac back here. That was before I was called to be a pastor. And uh, those here were so judgmental. They judged everything. They judged long hair. They judged everything. And you know what? I want to tell you, pastor, I'm a woman I got a husband And if you allow floozies like that with their short skirts to come into this church, I'm leaving. And I say, you don't have to leave. Just put your husband on a leash and put him over there, okay? (laughs) If that bothers him that bad, maybe he needs something cast out of him. We got to let sinners get a taste of what's going on here, okay? Don't judge them when they come in the door. Now, if they're here for years sitting in the front row, then we're going to approach them and say, hey, maybe you shouldn't dress that way anymore. Do you get the spirit of what I'm saying? Do you get the spirit of what I'm, I'm trying to say something to you? So they also made the ark a, a lucky charm, which is not good at all. There are people today that think I have the family Bible on the coffee room table. I have a picture of the of the, the, the Last Supper, and I got a picture of G. Man, I wear my Saint Christopher. Man, I'm in good shape. No, no, you're not. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Lesson three, chapter nine and ten in, in First Samuel. Saul is chosen by God to be the first king of Israel. Now, in this, this chapter, we're given a great example of walking in the Spirit. One day, after God had already made up his mind he was going to make Saul the first king, Kish, the father of Saul, went out and said, hey, I've got some lost donkeys. Would you take a servant and go look for them? And so he took his servant and went out looking for his dad's lost donkeys. And they looked and looked and looked, couldn't find the donkeys. And so finally, Saul looked to the servant and said, you know what? We better go home because now dad's going to start worrying about us instead of the donkeys. But the servant spoke up and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a man of God that lives in the city, and this man is dialed in. Whatever he says happens. He is anointed. And Saul said, okay, let's go see him. He said, he'll tell us about our journey. Now, I want you to know something. That had God not been in that situation... Had God not spoken through that servant, Saul wouldn't have went for it. But he was, he was in on it because it was the Holy Spirit talking, and he was drawing. So, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Otherwise, he would have said no. But see, it was an anointed idea. And so Saul and the servant said, let's go in the city and find this man of God, and he'll tell us about our journey. And they get almost in the city, and they see some women uh, getting water. And they said, hey, do you know where the man of God is? We've come here searching for him. We want to talk to him oh yeah, the man of God, if you'll hurry up, he's he's just ahead of you right now. He's on his way into town, he's he's doing a service there today. So they get in town, they see this sophisticated guy, and they don't know who he is. And they said, hey sir, do you know where the seer is? Now, they use the word seer because he was a prophet. That means he saw stuff in the spirit realm. He saw stuff in the spirit realm that nobody else could see. They said, do you know where the seer is? And he says, I am the seer. Now, what they didn't know is that Samuel had been warned the day before by God that I'm sending a man from the tribe of Benjamin to you tomorrow, and you're to anoint him as king. So Samuel was already. And so, lo and behold, uh, Samuel said, I want you to spend the night with me because I got a lot to say to you. And, and don't worry about the donkeys, they've already been found. They've already been found. Just don't worry about them. But spend the night with me, and I'm going to tell you a bunch of stuff that you need to hear. Now, here's the point. The story was never about the donkeys in the first place. It wasn't. They just thought it was about the donkeys. It wasn't. God was using the whole donkey scenario to do something deeper and bigger and fresher. Look at Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. Follow what? The what? Have you learned how to follow the Spirit? Learn to trust God even when things don't make sense. Look beyond what you're seeing. Uh, For example, uh, I went to the hospital years ago, and I went to pray for a man who was not receptive to me at all. I said, hey, I come here to pray for you today. He said, I don't need prayer. I don't want prayer. Just go on, leave. You don't need to be here. I said, well, well, come all this way. Can I at least pray? Okay, go ahead. And I prayed. I thought it was anointed prayer, and I left. And I thought, gee, what was that about, God? And I don't know how long it was afterwards, two or three years, somebody came up. So remember that day? And I said, yeah, I, I vaguely do remember that. They said, on the other side of the curtain, I was in bed. And that prayer was for me. It wasn't for him. I saw how he was treating you, but I registered with that prayer, and it changed my life that day. It never was about the donkeys. I've got to get you to look beyond what you're seeing in the physical realm. Another story, very similar to mine, was the lumberjack camp where a, a man was told one day by God, he knew his God, go preach to the lumberjacks. I want you to preach to them before they go out today. And I'm, I'm telling you, you preach. And so he, he made his way, he knew where the lumberjack camp was, and when he got there, he was a little bit late, and they had all gone out. And he said, oh, man, I thought I heard God. And God said, I said to preach. He said, there's nobody here. And God says, it's a test. I said, preach. He said, okay. So he went over and said, I don't know what I'm doing, but monkeys and squirrels and everybody, listen up. I'm going to preach. And he preached a sort message. He said, amen, I did what you told me to do, God. And again, it was very, like my, very much like my story. Some time passed, and a guy said, remember that day? I had forgot something at the camp. I came back, and I stood out there and listened to your sermon. It was short, but to the point. It was for me. A friend of mine who has a mega, mega church in Hawaii, or did, he's still part-time there, told you he was driving down the road one day, saw some trash, stopped, and felt the Holy Spirit said, pick it up. He picked it up, and some Muslim guy saw him do that and was so impressed he came to his church and gave his life to God. He said, man, if a man with that many people in a church can pick up trash, what I'm saying is you don't know why God's telling you to do certain things all the time. I, I live this way. I tell my wife, I don't know why I'm supposed to go to this meeting. I just, I'm just supposed to be there. Uh, on vacation, I don't know why, Debbie, but this one church keeps popping up. I don't know why. See, we never know why. I was really down decades ago and I still remember like yesterday I walked into a McDonald's and saw a man holding hands with his daughter praying over their meal and as simple as that was it moved me to think about my daughter and it spoke to me about some things in my life that man will never know he won't remember that day that he prayed in McDonald's but you've got to see that it's beyond what you're seeing look at 1 Corinthians 6 9 bless you do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own. Romans 8, 9. However, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't even belong to him. Romans eight fourteen. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the mature sons and daughters of God. They're mature. Lesson number four. New Testament, Mark chapter 3. Jesus goes on the mountain to pray all night long so he can go down the next day and choose out of all the disciples, 12 apostles to be really close to him. Luke six twelve is a, a partner verse to this one. Now it was at that time that he went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And the next verse says, then he went down and chose out of the 70 or 100 disciples or however many there were, he chose 12 to follow him as apostles. He prayed all night. Why did he pray? Why would keep him busy praying all night over that one thing? Well, I don't know. Maybe he called each one of the 70, 80, 90 out in prayer and said, God, Simon, what is it about him? Draw me to him or draw me away. God, is it Simon? Is Simon to be one? Maybe he prayed and then, then presented the next one, the next one. That would have taken a lot of time. Or maybe... He prayed, as I do very often with you guys when you come up. He might say, God, as I'm thinking about these men, I want you to show me things about these men that I never would have seen had I not asked you right now. Very often when you come up to me for prayer, and I believe in short prayers, you know that, and you have a health problem, you have a relationship problem or whatever, I will pray a simple prayer. And I'll say, "God, starting today. Put things in their minds starting today that would not have been there had I not prayed just now. Start putting things in their mind that would not have been there had I not prayed this prayer right now. Wow. It's been said that Martin Luther once said, I have too many things to do today, so I'll have to spend three hours in prayer this morning. I'm getting hot, guys. I'm smothering in here. I wasn't going to wear this out. My wife said, oh, it looks better with a jacket. And I said, yeah, I'm going to sweat. You don't care how I look. But but I I got so many things to do today that I'm going to have to pray three hours. You say, does that make sense? Oh, perfect sense to me. In prayer, God just might... Change your heart about some of the things you have to do today that really aren't a necessity, and that could save you two hours right there. Maybe through prayer, God will automatically take care of some things that's on your to-do list, and you'll find out you don't even have to do them because God already took care of them. Maybe in prayer, God will give You arraignment to the guy you're supposed to go have a two-hour lunch with and you call him and say, hey, I might be a little late for the appointment today, but I have a rhema that God told me to give you and he goes, I don't even need lunch now. (laughs) That's what I needed to hear. I mean, God could, as you're praying, he could could cause some things that were gonna happen not to happen bad things because you covered them in prayer and those emergencies would have taken you two hours and now they're not gonna happen because you covered them in prayer. I could go on and on and on. Lesson number five. Chapter 3, Jesus' family thought he had lost it and was out of his mind. They, they didn't believe in Jesus. His brothers and sisters and mother. they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't believe in him. It'd be hard. Come on. Give him some slack. If you heard that your brother that you grew up with was God in the flesh, you go, yeah, right. He might be the devil in the flesh, but he sure ain't God. And so, they didn't believe in him. And at one point in the gospel stories, they, they thought he was insane. They thought he was crazy. Look at this passage in Mark 3. And he came home, Jesus did, and the crowd gathered again to such an extent that they could not even eat a meal. And when his family heard about it, they came out to take custody of him, for they're saying, he has lost his senses. He's crazy. This things went to his head, man. And the same thing said was about Paul. They said about Paul too Paul, you've lost your mind. Now, have you ever got drunk in the Spirit? Some of you men, you're missing the biggest high of your life. Let me tell you how to get so high. No, that's just a bunch of malarkey. It does say in the Bible instead of getting drunk with wine, get drunk with the Spirit. But if you stay filled with the Holy Spirit every day, you're going to continue to do things that the world and the people around you aren't going to understand. Not everyone's going to be okay with your lifestyle. Uh, You're going to be persecuted, so expect it. Your family, quite possibly, and the people close to you are going to go, hey, did you hear about John and Sally? Yeah. Oh, they got to go to church every Sunday. They won't miss a Sunday. I think it's went to their head. I think they're a little bit nuts. I mean, they go to VBF. That's a cult if I've ever seen one. Come on. You're hearing it. Uh, Do you know what I'm talking about? You know what? I I can't believe them. They gave their life to God, and now they tie 10% of their money to God. That's crazy. I mean, they they can't miss church. They pray about everything, and you know what? Their kids can't watch certain cartoons. They, They let this thing get to them. I think they're in a cult. Expect it. It's going to happen. Your expectations equal peace. Expect it. Don't get mad. Some of your close friends and relatives are going to stop inviting you to the parties. You're not going to get an invite. Everybody else is going to get one, but you're not going to get one. Don't gripe. Expect it. Everybody got a wedding invitation. I didn't get one. No, you didn't get one. Expect it. Stop griping. It's part of the curriculum. It's part of the journey. Someone right now is really rejecting me. And Debbie says, Ron, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. That's what they're rejecting. So when you expect this, you will not lose your peace when it happens. Lesson six. I got two more real quick ones and we're out of here. Lesson six is in chapter five. Jesus walks through the crowd. And there's hundreds around him. Hundreds. And we know from the overview that a lady with a hemorrhage problem, a bleeding issue that she had had for 12 years, somehow she fought her way through the crowd. She was pushing people. Last week's sermon, the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. She, she was pushing people. She got up there, grabbed a hold of the hem of his garment and she was instantly healed. And Jesus didn't know that though. He didn't know, have the overview we had. He just looked up at one point of walking down the road, and he said, someone just touched me. Who touched me? And the apostle said, are you crazy, Jesus? You've got 500 people around you, a thousand. You said somebody just touched me? Jesus, all kinds of people touched you. He said, no. I felt the power of God go through me. Now, the kenosis doctrine, we don't have time to talk about it today, but it's the self-emptying doctrine of Jesus in his incarnation. I believe that Jesus limited himself to some of the uh, attributes that he had when he was in heaven. I believe Jesus basically chose to live this life just like you and I live it, so it could be a model to us. He couldn't even do miracles so the Holy Spirit came and descended on the day of Pentecost, although he was God. And he chose to say, look, I'm going to... Live this life like you're supposed to live it. I will rely totally on the Holy Spirit. I'll rely upon the things that you're going to have to rely upon. Look at John 14, 12. Truly, truly, Jesus says to you, the one who believes in me, that's me, is that you? The works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he'll do because I'm going to the Father. I have some Situations, some things that have happened to me in my life through the years where they're so deep on the spiritual level that they've even surprised me. Uh, I've had things like this happen. I walk into a meeting and I go, <laughs> somebody's deep into sin and pornography in this room, and we're leaders. And I don't want to embarrass you, but I smell it. I've had this several occasions of men coming to me afterwards. Man, that was me, Pastor. I was on pornography six hours before we came in here. Okay, let's pray. I've had things happen. What I'm trying to show you, how deep of a level can we actually go with Jesus? Have we even touched the surface in spiritual discernment? Tom Touchman will tell you, and I know this is redundant, but sometimes when I pray with people, I feel the power of God rush through me to such an such a extreme that people fall down and whatever occasionally. I don't push them over. They just fall down. And Tom will say, man, I felt that all the way over here. I said, did you feel that? I felt that. I said, what was that? I know that's kind of rough for some of you that are new to this church, but yeah, it does happen. You got preachers pushing people over on TV. That's just ludicrous. But they're trying to copy and mimic something that's real. And when I encounter the... The spiritual demonic, very often, the power clash that takes place as I do spiritual authority sometimes causes them to crumble. And it's just natural in my mind. Uh, I was at some friend's place. If I said their name, they now live in North Carolina. And one day, they called me out their house. They said, we've had some weird things happen. Weird, there's off the chart weird. And as I sat there, I go, you remember that friend that died? You don't have a lot of her belongings in this house, do you? Oh, we do. We took her belongings. I said, you happen to have a coat that looks almost exactly like this couch. Oh, my gosh. I ran and got it. You could have covered that couch with that coat. I said, what about jewelry? And then I started explaining. And unbelievable. I mean, everything I called out, it it happened. And, And I go, oh, my gosh. I even surprised myself going, that was amazing. And it doesn't happen very often. But sometimes we get glimpses of this deeper level that possibly even Jesus lived at. Now, I know that we're walking on dangerous ground here. Every weirdo is going to come out of the closet now. Don't get weird on me. I've walked with God for 50 years. I don't want you to see God behind everything. And listen to me don't ever make it happen, let it happen. I'm not out trying to make this stuff happen. Just overwhelming thoughts come to me, and I go, I don't know. Tom's been with me. Tom touched on. He he can can give witness to these things. It's pretty crazy. In fact, Tom's with me very often. I was praying to somebody backstage the other day, and we felt there was demonic roots there. And Tom just went and got behind her and held her up and said, I I thought I should do this. And, And it doesn't happen all the time. But just possibly, there's a level to walking with Jesus that some of you have never experienced, and therefore you laugh at it. And you think it's not real. I go by Scripture. Now, let's go to the last one. The reality of the resurrection. The reality of the resurrection. Jesus' four brothers and his family didn't believe in him. They thought he was crazy. We never saw his family at the Last Supper, at at his arrest and trial at the cross. In fact, to show you what was going on, at the cross, as Jesus was dying, he looked down at John the Apostle and said, "Hey, I'm, I'm giving my mom to you. You gotta, you gotta see her through some stuff. You gotta, you gotta be her, her son. And mom, that's gonna be your, you gotta be her, her son. And mom, that's gonna be your son." As he was dying, he, he made those arrangements. I think it's so cool when people can be other death. That happened earlier today. Are we still on? Hello, hello. We're off. We're almost through it. We're off. Okay, well, I know what I got to do when the power's out. I'm going to talk real loud. Can you all hear me? When his family saw the resurrected Jesus, it's on. Okay. We have a huge generator out there. Thank God. You know what's funny? It went off last service the exact same time. Hmm. Say hmm. Was the devil called? The prince of the power of the air? Does he not want us to hear this? Let's look at our passage. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to make three comments. We're out of here. I would love to have been a fly on the wall. On the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they didn't find a dead body. (laughs) While they were perplexed about this, going, what happened? Two men suddenly stood there near them in gleaming clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their face to the ground, the men said to them, why are you seeking the living one among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. Remember what he said to you when he was in Galilee? Come on, guys. Saying the Son of Man must be handed over to sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day he will rise from the dead. They remembered his words. And they returned from the tomb. And I bet they were hot footing it. <gasps> oh my God. Oh my god. Oh my God. And they went to the leaven. And they said. He's not there. What? He's not there. Two angels appeared. Remember, he said he would raise it. He, I think, he's come back from the dead. And so it goes on. They reported to him. Now these women were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James. Notice it's women that he gave the message to. Listen to Wednesday night. And also the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. And these words appeared to them as nonsense. This can't be. They didn't believe the women, but nevertheless, Peter got up and ran to the tomb. He was, could it be, could it be, could it be? And he looked in and saw the linen wrappings only. And he went away to his home going, oh, my gosh, could it be, could it be. I mean, think about it as we bring this thing to a conclusion and the worship team's coming out hopefully. Uh, Can you just imagine the momentum change here? These guys had been at the end of their rope as far as hope was concerned. They had stood by the cross, John and some of them, and watched Jesus die. All of a sudden, their career is gone. All their hope of heaven is gone. Everything they believed in is gone. They were so embarrassed, they didn't want to show their face out in public anymore. And they were in the house, not even talking to one another, just like, what do you think, John? What do you think, Peter? We're done, guys. They're coming for us next. How could we have been so foolish? What just happened? And then they hear that he's alive. And they see him. Over 500 people see him. I mean, you could equate this to seeing your son or daughter die in your arms. And then later, the next day, someone's saying, no, they're alive again. I saw them at the donut shop getting donuts this morning. They told you to meet them in the Walmart parking lot in just about 30 minutes. I mean, oh, my God. To know that Jesus proved to us that the grave can't hold us down. He said, All you who live and believe in me have eternal life. Now I'll say it what I say at funerals. Stop believing all this nonsense, Hollywood. Well, so and so's died, they're in heaven, they're looking down on us. Heaven is only a gift for those who believe in Jesus Christ and give their life to Him. Do you understand that? It's the free gift of eternal life given to all of God's kids. If you're not God's kid, you don't have eternal life. Not with Jesus. You don't have it. It's not yours. It's a promise for those who give their life to God. Now, as a result of his resurrection appearing to over 500 people on the day of Pentecost in the upper room, you know who's there? Mary and the four brothers. They're all in there waiting for the Holy Spirit. James, his brother, ends up writing the book of James, and he became the leader of the Jerusalem church. Judas, his brother, wrote the book of Jude. His family said, we've seen him alive. I mean, we're converted. My gosh, he was who he said he was. Unbelievable. And that day on Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came back, they said it was the ghost of Jesus coming back. Mary. We've asked Nikki on the Sunday before... Easter to preach to us and talk to us about the resurrection of crucifixion from a mother's point of view Mary who carried her son once and gave physical birth is now carrying him again because he came to live inside of her unbelievable Jesus her son is inside of her now again I could go on and on <sighs> the point is I'm going back to the Word. This is what we built this church on. I'm going right back to it. We're going to cover Scripture, 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 Scripture. How many of you received something from God today? You heard him say something to you. Okay. Prayer team's coming up. If you've never given your life to God, these people are up here to pray for you. All three of them. Only three? Prayer team, where are you? Anybody know how to pray? Get up here. Not really. If you've never given your life to God, you can do it today, they'll help you through it. They'll guide you through it. We're gonna stand to our feet. Do you think it's appropriate to end our service with radical praise to our Father? Hey, listen to me. Next week, I'm not rooting for Taylor Swift. I root for the Niners. I hope they blow them away. I do like Patrick Mahomes, but nevertheless. now next week, we're going to find no problem getting up and going, yeah, okay, oh, go, 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 woo, woo, you know. Like that video I played Easter very often where these people have cell phones. It's about the resurrection of Jesus. There's somebody out hiking. There's somebody at the mall. There's somebody at Walmart. There's somebody in the gym. And, and, and they get a notice that Jesus resurrected. And they go, yes, yes. If you're going to get excited next week about a football game, why can't you get excited about the fact that God has given us eternal life? We'll see our loved ones again. We'll see them again. Don't you think that's worthy of praise? Okay, let's sing this song. Praise the Lord, and you're dismissed. God bless. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Who is our King,